It can be pretty stressful watching kids play rough. I say this as an active auntie of some pretty rough and tumble nephews. And when they're wrestling and pulling and pushing on each other, it can be easy to assume it will all end in tears or even worse, uh, in a trip to the emergency department. But if they're having fun, should we stop kids from play fighting? It turns out that some rough play can actually be really good for kids. So how can you tell when the play is being beneficial and when it might be worth getting them to ease off a little. Dr Emily Freeman is a senior lecturer in the School of Psychology at the University of Newcastle and she's been looking at the importance of rough and tumble play. Emily, welcome to Life Matters. Hi, thanks for having me. So Emily, when you talk about rough and tumble play, what is a a definition here and what kind of games in this play are you talking through? So when we're talking about rough and tumble play, we're talking about that physical, big body contact, wrestling type of play that kids naturally seem to be drawn to. Um, When they're particularly young, sort of preschool age, they do it a lot with their parents, usually with their dads or their uncles. Um, And as they get a bit older, they start to do it with their siblings and their peers. So things like like you mentioned, wrestling around on the lounge room floor. Um, Sometimes it can be very free um, and there might not be a set game as such as that they're playing. Or sometimes it might be a specific rough and tumble style of game, something like a a sock wrestle where you're trying to get your opponent's sock off of their foot or or something like that that has more of a goal-oriented focus. Mm -hmm. I'd also love to hear from you. Have you balanced your child's need for rough and tumble play with their safety. Text me on 0418 Emily, do you find parents often worry about rough play? Do they tend to see it as something negative? A lot of parents do look at it as from that sort of risk assessment perspective, I guess, of um, it's it's quite boisterous, it's quite physical, um, there's a lot of uh, competition happening within the play. And so it can often be mistaken for something like aggression. Um, But so long as the play is done in fun and it's a warm activity and both play partners are enjoying it and that they're laughing and smiling and you can see that they're actually having fun with each other, that's a good type of rough and tumble play. Mm. When there's that turn taking, it's really important. If one if one person is dominating the play, then that's not so much fun anymore. Mm, yeah. If we're stepping back and, and letting kids play rough... What kind of boundaries should we be putting in place in these moments? Yeah, so we do really need to think about um, kids' safety when they're doing this sort of play. So you want the children participating in rough and tumble play in an open space that's free from, you know, the corner of the coffee table that they might hit their head on or, you know, some um, air bars that you don't want them to smash as they're or, or whatever it is. So a nice big open space, whether that's inside on the carpet or on a mat or outside on the grass where they can't hurt each hurt themselves on anything, that's really important. But also you need to set some boundaries around the play, around what is um, acceptable and what's not acceptable. So wrestling, that's acceptable, but um, 
biting or kicking or hitting or any of those sort of antisocial behaviours definitely need to to put a stop to any of those sorts of things. Mm. Looking at um, the types of rough and tumble play that we're observing with, with the kids that we're connected to, are there particular styles of play that we should definitely step in and stop? I think as soon as it's clear that one of the play participants is no longer having fun, so that's usually because one of the um, the children starts to dominate the play. So typically good quality rough and tumble play is play where um, the stronger play partner self-handicaps. So it's always going to be play where either the parent is stronger than the child or one sibling is stronger than the other. But so long as that stronger person is recognising, well, hey, I am stronger and I could easily win this, but how about I um, cooperate with my play partner, give them a a chance to win um, and sort of handicap myself so that I'm not always the one on top, then that is good quality play. So we want that that self-handicapping, that good cooperation, you want the shared winning and losing. And Mm. as soon as that sort of thing starts to to deteriorate, then that's probably a good time to sort of step in and say, hey, that was a great round of rough and tumble play. How about we focus on doing something else for a while and um, finish up that for now before it gets to that point where the – um, maybe the younger child gets too frustrated or something like that. Mm-mm. And I am interested in your stories too, sharing how you might have balanced your child's need for rough and tumble play with safety. I'm Stephanie Kapanyana Kanyandakwe. This is Life Matters on ABCRN. And I'm speaking with Dr. Emily Freeman, who's a senior lecturer in the School of Psychology at the University of Newcastle, around the importance of rough and tumble play. Emily, it's it's not just kids that uh, love a bit of rough and tumble, though, is it? What other animals no. on this planet play rough? It's actually really interesting when you start looking at rough and tumble play across species. You see it in almost all mammals. Um, you see it in rats. You see it in dogs. You see it in bears. You see it in wolves. It's in a, you know, There's some really adorable YouTube videos of pandas rough and tumble playing. So it's in a wide range of different species. And, you know, when we start to see these behaviours across lots of species, then it makes us stop and think, well, is there actually a a developmental purpose to this style of play? Mm. And that's really what a lot of my research has been focusing on, is looking at in terms of children's development, how does rough and tumble play contribute to that? And the fact that, you know, so many other animals interact in the same way, does it give us a clue as to the, the purpose that it serves for all of us? Well, one of the things that um, a lot of people who have looked at rough and tumble across different species seem to all agree that really does help with that social communication skills. Um, it starts to teach from a young age, you know, how to read the behaviour of your play partner, um, how to share, um, how to sort of read each other's emotions and expressions and what your own behaviour so that that fun um, continues. Mm. 
So what ways can rough and tumble playing with with children's physical development, um, well, how can that expand their their physical development, really? Yeah, so when we've done um, some studies and their children, um, we often do rough and tumble play studies with dads and kids because um, the research has told us and parents report to us that quite often children seek out their father or father figure to participate in this sort of play, particularly when they're quite little. Um, We see that, you know, rough and tumble play helps kids to get um, that physical development. There's a lot of pushing, there's a lot of twisting, there's a lot of um, stretching just a bit beyond your current physical capabilities and, and learning new skills. And and it's learning things like how to take a um, how to take on a challenge, and and maybe sometimes you'll win and maybe sometimes you'll lose. But it's learning so your boundaries are and how to push boundaries just a little bit so that you continue to learn and grow. Is this particularly gendered though? You mentioned in in specific there in that example, children seeking out um, their father figures. As the daughter of a single mum, I can tell you there was a lot of, you know, yeah. um, ruffle and tumble play and, and playing out in the garden, being really physical in our yeah. household environment. Yeah, no, that's bad. That's bad. I think the early research into rough and tumble play was all, well, the, The very earliest studies actually surveyed parents to ask them who was doing the rough and tumble play in their households. And that's suggesting that it was predominantly the fathers that participated in this style of play. Um, But sometimes that must focused a bit more on sort of the toy, the imaginary play and and those sorts of types of play. And so that has led to a new of fathering research, which is really important that we recognise the important contributions that fathers make to their child's development, because a lot of the early research was very mother-focused. But with all of these sorts of things, we're looking at, in general, it's the the fathers that seem to do this type of play. But even some of our most recent studies, particularly in Australia, mums are really into the and so we're hoping to do some more research looking at mothers and fathers and whether there are any differences in the way that they rough and tumble with their children or whether they're doing it the same. And will this research extend to non-binary adults and also perhaps aunties and uncles, um, other responsible adults in children's lives? I would absolutely love to be able to look at all parents and all parents across children and um, it's just convincing the funding body to give me the money to be able to do those sorts of studies would be amazing. But yeah, that's that's the applications that I'm putting in at the moment to try to get the funding to be able to look across the full spectrum of parenting because I think it's a really important thing for us to study. Mm-hmm. And certainly um, growing up in a community environment where, you know, there are lots of different adults, uh, aunties, uncles, um, other responsible community members that were part of the raising of me. I, I think that's a really important interaction in, in the different ways that we engage with all of them as well. Um, I was really surprised in, in one of the benefits that I read through your research that uh, rough play can improve a child's working memory. Does all play help? 
develop children's working memory or is there a certain aspect of rough play that is particularly effective? So all different types of play contribute to development in a number of different ways. Um, One of the things that we've found with rough and tumble play is this association with working memory. Um, So working memory is that ability to hold and manipulate information in your mind. Um, The easiest way to think about working memory would be if I gave you a math problem to solve in your head, you'd be using your working memory to try and do that. Um, So with rough and tumble play, because it's quite fast paced, there are rules around it. You're trying to you're looking at what your play partner is doing, what you're doing, where you are physically within the room. There's a lot of information that you're trying to hold and manipulate and use in order to try and win at the game. Um, we actually were quite interested in whether or not that translated to working memory and um, we found that it did. So the kids who participated more often in rough and tumble play this was a study looking at rough and tumble play with their dads. We sh- we found that those children had um, greater working memory ability and um, in the reverse to that, they also showed fewer working memory problems. Really interesting um, step towards looking at how this type of play impacts children's cognitive development. Well, there's one text in from Robbie who says, Rough Games, as we called it, was great for my young kids to learn how to calm themselves and also learn some limitations. Just quickly, Emily, what are some ways we can encourage rough play that's beneficial but safe? Absolutely. So that's fantastic that that your caller has mentioned that because we definitely see that this type of play helps children learn how to regulate their emotions. And that's one of the biggest things of this style of play. Um, So really encourage this type of play. There's some great activities and like specific rough and tumble games that you can use to get things started. Mm -hmm. But really it's about creating that safe space where the kids can just go for it and um, whether it's something like a sock wrestle or a game like get up so that's really simple you don't need any equipment one person lies on the floor other person tries to hold them down the goal is for the person who's lying down to actually get up um, that's and so you wonderful stuff and it's great it's so so simple and fun that's wonderful stuff thank you so much dr emily freeman Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.